All right, we welcome you back. We welcome you back. We we'll hope to have a f- little bit of fellowship afterwards, and uh, if you're able to stay for a meal and all that. Amen. So we've wrapped up a series in the book of Acts. We did that a couple weeks ago. Uh, did that a couple weeks ago, and then uh, last week was um, a little more topical. Uh, we're going to talk about Thanksgiving today. All right, how many are doing turkey for Thanksgiving? Is that still the favorite? Duck. Duck. All right, ham? Any ham people? Ham? All right. Uh, I was going to maybe do brisket, but I'm going to do a smoked turkey on the, on the pit boss there. So We've got our newly married son and his wife. They're going to come down. They just got back from Italy last night. Spent a week and a half there, and uh, so they're going to come down and join us. All right, we are going to be in the book of Thessalonians this morning, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, and you're probably thinking, where in the world is Thessalonians? Well, it's the New Testament. It is one of Paul's 13 letters uh, to different churches, so when we, we just finish up our series in the book of Acts, so one of the places that... Paul goes to on his second missionary journey is the town of Thessalonica, all right? And he would go there, uh, a church would be launched there. So there's two letters in your New Testament that are written to the Thessalonians, all right? Uh, Both of them talk about end-time events. So, in fact, uh, 1 Thessalonians um, contains a very key passage about uh, the end-time events. Um, Often it is read... Uh, sometimes at graveside that, you know, we're going to be caught up in the air to meet the Lord in the air, right? And that is where we get the term rapture, is comes from that. Rapture is n- included nowhere in the New Testament, but it's that term caught up, all right? We'll be caught up to meet the Lord in the air. Uh, so that's a key passage there in Thessalonians. All right, we're going to primarily focus on three verses, but I'm going to read the whole chapter just so you get the context. It's his final chapter. Chapter 5 is the final chapter of this letter. And so um, he kind of hits a lot of different things, but it'll help you kind of get the context, which I think is good. Sometimes we, we pull out a verse or two out of Scripture, and we don't know the context that we pull it out of, right? And it's important to do that, all right? We don't want to be like the guy that... Um, you know, he read the passage about Judas hanging himself, you know, after the betrayal of Christ. You know, it wasn't very positive. So he flips the pages and goes, and it said, go what? Go and do likewise. Yeah. So we don't want to practice that type of theology, all right? All right. And if you didn't understand me, in, in, uh, you have to have somebody interpret for me, all right? Um, praise God. Let's bow our heads in prayer and then First Thessalonians chapter 5. Father, we thank you for this day, dear God. Uh, We thank you that you are here present with us and that you guide and direct our lives. And so, Lord, open up your word to us. It is the living word of God that is able to change and transform our lives um, and lead your people. In your name we pray, amen. Amen. Um, And so I just realized I left my Bible in in my uh, backpack. So we are going to just bear with me one second here. And I could do that, couldn't I? 
There we go. We are there. All right. Let's read together. It says, Now, brothers and sisters, about the times and dates, we do not need to write to you. So there's that end time things. For you all know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. That's kind of scary. While people are saying peace and safety, destruction will come on them suddenly as labor pains on a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. But here's the good news, verse 4. But you, brothers and sisters, are not in darkness, so that this day will not surprise you like a thief. You're children of the light and children of the day. We do not belong to the night or to the darkness. So then, let us not be like others who are asleep, but be awake and sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk, get drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, putting on faith and love as a breastplate and the hope of salvation as a helmet. For God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. So that's a key verse if you talk about end time events. Um, Just when you talk about the tribulation, the seven year period that we see in the end times, um, it is a time where the people of Israel are going to face a lot of persecution. Some of that is going to be at the hands of other people. And you look at the news today, and it's not hard to imagine the world turning against the people of Israel, is it? I mean, it's almost there. It's even in our country where you see um, people um, not happy with Israel. Um, But this is a key verse that God has not appointed His people to suffer wrath. So wrath would be God's his judgment upon godly people. And so that's where it even builds the context that the rapture, the church is going to be taken out before the tribulation. Um, we don't know all that for sure, but this verse sure lends itself to that. Verse 10, For He died for us so that we may, whether we are awake or asleep, we may live together. Therefore, encourage one another, build each other up just in the fact you are doing. Now we ask you, brothers and sisters, to acknowledge those who work hard among you, who care for you in the Lord, and admonish you. So we recognize Victor and Yolanda. You recognized all of us here um, for pastor appreciation. So you fulfilled scripture. I don't know if you realized that or not. Hold them in the highest regard in love because of their work. Live in peace with each other. And we urge you, brothers and sisters, and warn those who are idle and disruptive, encouraged, uh, encourage the disheartened, help the weak, be patient with everyone. Those are good verses. So you're kind of getting some of these random thoughts that would kind of come in a conclusion of a letter as you're wrapping up your thoughts. Um, And he's writing to believers in Christ. Make sure nobody pays back wrong for wrong. Wow, you know. Um, Even within the body of Christ, we can wrestle with that, right? You hit me, I'm going to hit you back. But always strive to do what is good for each other and for everyone else. And then this is what we're going to really focus in on. Rejoice always. Pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Do not quench the Spirit and do not treat prophecies with contempt. Test them all. Hold what is good, reject every kind of evil. And may God Himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. And may your whole spirit, soul, body be kept blameless until the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. For the one who calls you is what? Is faithful. And He will do it. Brothers and sisters, <laughs> I just noticed he says brothers and sisters a lot, doesn't he? Pray for us. Greet all God's people with a holy kiss. I used to quote that verse when I was dating my wife. Biblical to kiss your girlfriend. And I charge you before the Lord to have read this letter to all brothers and sisters. 
And so it was to be maybe not only to the church in Thessalonica, uh, Thessalonica, but to the other churches as well. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. All right, so let's look at these verses um, 16, 17, and 18. One of the things you'll note about these, these are imperative statements. All right, so an imperative statement means what? All my English people, I'm looking at my English person there. What is an imperative statement? It's a what? It's a requirement. Yeah, I don't know who said that, but yes, a requirement. It's a command, right? Yeah, so if, and if you're in the military, they don't say, hey, you should do this, you should do this. It's kind of like, you know, the commands, right? There's no you put in front of it, you should do this. It's, you get the command, you do it, right? That's an imperative, it's a command. That's what these three statements are. Rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances. They're not suggestions. They are very strong suggestions that God is giving to us through Paul. All right? So I want to look at these separately. First of all, they're not very long, but I think there's a lot here. First of all, verse 16 says, rejoice always. So the first point there is be joyful at all times. Now, I know that fits a lot of you. You are joyful at all times. All right? Right? All right, so we're going to look at it. So NIV says rejoice always. English Standard Version says rejoice always. What's another one? New Living says always be joyful. Um, I like the Young's literal translation. Always rejoice ye. Isn't that good? Always rejoice ye because it really follows the Greek and the Hebrew. Um, the Message Translation. Be cheerful no matter what. Be joyful always. All right. So in Paul's letters, we see that joy is a mark of, the, of Christian maturity, right? It's a mark of Christian maturity. And it's in Galatians 2.22, joy is mentioned as one of the fruit of the Spirit, right? That are mentioned there. Now, there's a difference between joy and happiness, isn't there? I don't know if you realize that or not. There is a difference. Happiness is based upon the happenings in your life, the circumstances of life. You get the good news and you are, you're happy, right? Because of the circumstance, the news or what happened. Joy is independent of that. It is based upon your relationship with God. He is your source. It is something that is unchanging. It is permanent. You can be joyful at all times. So joy depends on your relationship to God. It is a source uh, that is permanent and unchanging. I just said that. All right. So Paul learned that affliction and deep joy can go together. Think about that. Joy and affliction can happen at the same time. That's a powerful statement, folks. I think of uh, the apostles. Jesus has been resurrected. They're going out there doing what God had called them to do to be those witnesses. And they're brought before the Sanhedrin. They're even flogged, told to not speak anymore in the name of Jesus. And it says they went home, back to their home, with their tail between their legs, complaining, murmuring. Is that what they did? It says they went back rejoicing because they were found worthy to suffer for Christ. I don't know if all of us have experienced that type of joy. Uh, Paul says in 2 Corinthians 6.10, 
Um, we are sorrowful, yet we're always rejoicing. We're poor, yet we're making many rich. We have nothing, yet we possess everything. Wow. And then in chapter 12, verse 10, so he has a lot to say about rejoicing and suffering in Second Corinthians. He says, That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weakness, insults, insults, hardships, persecutions, and difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. He rejoiced in his tribulations. One of the great examples, and I'm going to have to keep an eye on the clock here. I know we have food afterwards, so I can preach as long as we want to, right? Um, I'm teasing. Um, <laughs> I'm teasing, Roger. <laughs> um, somebody sighed. Maybe that was Terry that sighed. Was that you, Terry? Yes. All right. Um, but when Paul was in Philippi, so there again, that's prior just to him going to Thessalonica. He'd be in Philippi. And some great ministry would happen and take place. And one of the, the marvelous miracles that takes place is a, a woman that is a servant, and her job is to fortune tell for her masters. So they would have this, people would go to her to get their fortune told, they'd give her money. Her owners would then take most of the profit. I doubt she got any of it. And she followed Paul and Silas around and saying, hey, these men are of God. And Paul realized that it wasn't right. And he turns around, he casts the demon out of her. She's set free, Right? Great thing, right? A marvelous miracle has taken place. Did everybody rejoice? Well, some people probably thought it was pretty cool, but the people that owned her were not very happy that they just lost their livelihood. They stir up the crowd. They're thrown in prison. And there again, they're in prison, shackles on them. They even have insecurity inside. Um, And you could hear, you could hear Paul and Silas, right? What was happening in there? Were they murmuring, complaining? Were they singing the hee-haw song? Whoa, agony, ami. Sorry if you're younger than, whatever, 30 or 40. Don't know what hee-haw is. But, no, they were worshiping and praising God, right? They were praising God. And as they praised and they worshiped God, folks, the prison doors flew open. The shackles fell off. The jailer and his whole family are are saved and they're baptized that night. Um, Difficulty and joy can happen at the same time. Paul says this to the church later in the the Philippian church. He's writing this from prison. Chapter 4, here's some more imperatives here. Verse 4, rejoice in the Lord always and I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer, petition, with what? Thanksgiving. Present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts, hearts and your minds. There we go. In Christ Jesus. You know, that verse should maybe... Those verses should probably be on your refrigerator, your microwave, your bathroom mirror. You should just put it there, right? Rejoice in the Lord always. Uh, you can turn on the news, and sometimes there's, there is little reason to rejoice. In fact, I've talk, had conversations with people, and you can tell that what's happening in Israel is just weighing very heavy upon them. Um, it is stealing their joy. Uh, and maybe there's other things that are in that similar category that are, have got, maybe it's the economic challenges, 
and it, the bottom line just of providing for your home. Uh, maybe it is the doctor's visit you that, that you just had or for a loved one. Or maybe it's the job opportunity that you had hopes of getting and it falls through. Maybe, I, I don't know, you fill in the blanks there, right? Paul says to rejoice always. This is what I know if we will lead with rejoicing, if we will it to. See, it's not when you feel like rejoicing. But when you will yourself to rejoice in the Lord, your emotions will follow. Did you know that? It's like going to the gym. Some days you want to go to the gym, all right? Not many days I want to go to the gym. I I know it's good for me, so I go, right? But once I'm there, it's kind of like the blood gets pumping. It's kind of, oh, you know, you kind of get into it and you get done. You know, you feel better, right? But... The emo- if we lived by our emotions, we would not be in a good place because they're all, they're all over the place. You know, it's, it's interesting how one day can unfold. And this is just real, just even for me this week, to get news in the morning that is just really uh, <laughs> makes this verse a little challenging about rejoicing in the Lord. And then you get news at the end of the day that is truly joyful and happy. You can get all those in the same day, right? Things that make you happy, things that make you sad, things that make you confused or frustrated. But our joy can always be there. Rejoice. I don't think God's wanting us to put on a happy face. Um, And I've heard sometimes you'd think that the church was baptized in lemon juice. And I don't know how that translates, but um, I believe that the body of Christ should be joyful. And it's not because we put this happy face on, it's because we've discovered the joy that comes from the Lord. Amen? Um, how do we do that? I'm going to illustrate it. God, we just thank you for this day. We thank you that you've given us breath in our lungs. We thank you for the gift of salvation. We thank you that you never leave us or forsake us, that you love me, you've redeemed me, you've chosen me, that you have plans and a purpose for my life. And I rejoice I rejoice because of that. I give you the praise. I give you the glory for who you are, for what you've done, for a beautiful sunrise, for a beautiful sunset. Lord, I give you the thanks and I give you the praise. Amen. That's how you rejoice in the Lord. You can do it in your car. You can do it in school. You can do it at work. Throughout the day, rejoice in the Lord always. Amen. Um, Why do we need to rejoice? This is the longer point, but I think it's, it's very pivotal to our strength. Nehemiah, if you want to go back and get that story, the people have come out of captivity. They're trying to rebuild the temple and the walls. They're trying to rebuild Jerusalem after it's been just devastated and laid to waste. Seventy years later, they're trying to rebuild. But Nehemiah, he reads to them the Old Testament and the Word of God that day, and they just weep because they hadn't. it's been so long since they'd heard the Word of God. They just weep. as a good weeping. It was weeping of repentance and just that God was speaking to them. And he says, we're going to end this day with a meal, with food, and we're going to celebrate. Why? Because the joy of the Lord is what? Is your strength. We quote that a lot. The joy of the Lord. It comes from that passage there. The joy of the Lord is our strength. And I think if we can really tap into rejoicing in the Lord... And never lose our joy. It is our strength for today, for this moment, for tomorrow, for this week, and this month. Amen? Secondly, 
Paul says to pray continually. So depending on the translation, pray continually without ceasing. Never stop praying. Continually pray ye. I like that one. The youngs, yes. Continually pray ye. Uh, constantly. Now, can we pray 24-7? Pastor Victor maybe could. Uh, 24-7. I don't think we can. So what is Paul meaning here? I think he is meaning to have that attitude of turning our hearts towards prayer all, all, whenever we're awake. Even in the mornings when our head is still on the pillow or at night when we're fading off to sleep, to be in that attitude of prayer. Prayer takes many different forms. It's making a request known to God, but it's also fellowship with God, right? It can be intercession, praying for others. Uh, This is what one commentator said. Prayer is a general term, includes all forms of prayer, not only petition, so that's a request, intercessions, praying for others. In order to avoid the implication that the believer should be constantly in prayer to God, one could say, be ready to speak to God at all times, that there's that dialogue just going, right? Or to speak to God on any and all occasions. You know, and I find too often, when do we pray? When the bad thing happens, right? then we pray. But we can sometimes go through our whole day, and I know that would never be you, uh, but we can go through our whole day and not even turn our hearts towards God. And that's, Paul says, we should be continually in that attitude of prayer, of having fellowship with God. It's more than just bringing our requests. It is having that communion with Him and, and uh, yielding our lives to God. Amen? Luke 5.16, I'll just hit this quickly. Jesus often withdrew to lonely places, and he prayed. So I was at the, the World Prayer Center with the Assemblies of God in Springfield this week. Um, I'll share more about that next Sunday. I'm going to talk about prayer. Um, but he, Jesus made that a part of his life. I think it needs to be part of our life where we rejoice at all times, but we also pray at all times. All right, drum roll, point number three. Be thankful at all times. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Um, ESV is similar to that. New Living, similar to that. Young's translation, everything give thanks, for this is the will of God. Yeah. Message. Thank God no matter what happens. This is the way God wants you to belong to Christ Jesus to live. All right. You know, to give thanks is doable, right? To give thanks in all circumstances, I think, is sometimes a little bit harder. Can we be honest? You know, I, I had this message prepared, went to Springfield, and um, I'm not going to go into a lot of details, but uh, God really tested me on this um, and some events that took place this week. Really, so it's, it's still pretty raw, and I don't know. It'll heal. Um but to give thanks in all circumstances. And see, that, that's real life, folks. And for me, it was very real. And it's kind of like, man, if I, hadn't, I came back to my message, it's kind of like, man, God's just really tested me in what I'm going to preach today, to give thanks in all circumstances. Um, but see, that's where you, maybe even you are at. You know, even going through a week, you're going to have things that are worth celebrating and giving thanks for family together, uh, food at the table, 
Um, but maybe there's also some things that are going to challenge you in this and say, God, I can't thank you for this. Why? why? Why can we be thankful in all circumstances? Why should we be thankful? Because it acknowledges that God can work in our lives through the difficult moments of life and in the good moments of life. In fact, I could argue that God can work in your life more during the difficult seasons of life than He does in the good seasons of life. All right? As He heads nodding. Spiritual formation is a term we use to talk about a person's maturity, Christian maturity, your spiritual growth. And there's two dimensions to spiritual formation. First of all, it involves our spiritual disciplines that we put in place in our life. So having that time of prayer, having that time of Bible study, attending church, worshiping God, those are spiritual disciplines where we put ourselves in a posture, in a place where God can speak to us and shape and mold us. All right, you following me? But spiritual formation also includes... God shaping us through the circumstances of life. Did you know that? You look at all the great people in the Bible and in church history, all these great leaders had high moments, but they also had their valleys, usually multiple valleys that God would take them through. And in those valleys, they had developed character, maturity, and the Christian virtues that they needed to have in their life to be the leaders that God had called them to be. To name a few, Joseph, man, a young man, good looking, his dad loved him, he had a coat of many colors, he even had dreams that his family was going to bow down and before him, he was going to be somebody special, and his father really helped out that case, and then one day he's betrayed by his brothers, they fake his death. He's sold into slavery, and even there God would give him favor, but then he's betrayed and um, thrown into prison for a crime he didn't commit. God never left him. But it was his time imprisonment where God was working on the inside part of Joseph. God had a plan and a purpose for his life, but there was virtues and character that God was developing in the life of Joseph. And then one day he's taken from the prison to the palace. He was second command of all of Egypt, was just probably one of the more powerful nations at that time. God will often use those hard moments in life to shape and develop us. 400 years later, Moses would sense God's call to lead his people out of Egypt because they went down there because of Joseph. And now, 400 years later, the people are in, in slavery. They're being subjected to the slave, you know, forced labor. And God would raise up Moses, and he felt this leading in direction. In fact, he goes out and murders one of the guys that was whipping one of his fellow Hebrew brothers. Tries to cover it up and hide it. He thought nobody noticed, but they did. And so he runs into the wilderness. And Moses was there 40 years where God was shaping his life in the wilderness. And then God would call to him out of the burning bush and says, Hey, I want you to deliver my people out of Egypt. Um, spiritual formation has a lot to do with how the disciplines I put in my life, but God has His ways too. and He has His tools. Just if you have a, I don't know, if you're a carpenter, I, tools where you have a wood lathe and you have these different tools to shape and mold things. 
and the, the clay pot, often it's the pressing that shapes and forms it. A.W. Tozer says this, great theologian and uh, spiritual heritage. He says, It is doubtful whether God can bless a man greatly until he has hurt him deeply. There's a lot of, uh, you look at Scripture and through uh, Christian history, you'll see that that is often the case. Trials, difficulties, and sufferings often are the tools that God uses to shape us into the vessels He can use for His glory. Um, Thanksgiving turns our focus to God and the things that are right. Um, I've, been, I've had moments in my life where maybe I was discouraged or I was down. And, uh, you know, there again, the will, where you say, hey, God, I'm going to praise you, I'm going to worship you, I'm going to thank you. And guess what? When you begin to thank God for your salvation, for His faithfulness, for these many things that He's brought your way, it's going to change your heart. You're not going to be focused on the things you don't have. And if you go on social media and those things, um, we're, we use social media, you know, to do our thing, Right? But I can guarantee you, you're look, it's so easy to look at, oh, they're going there, they have this. And we, we, we can lose track of the things that God has done for us, amen? And we, we can lose that thankful spirit that God wants in our hearts. I'm going to have the musicians come. Paul says, at all times, rejoice, pray, and give thanks. Why? Because this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. This is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Um, And Paul had insight into that body there. He knew what they needed to live for Him and to glorify Him. And I believe those words are still very applicable to the church today and what He's called us to. Amen? Amen. Would you stand this morning? Would you stand? I'd like to conclude with just a response time. I never know if there is somebody here that has just never, um, maybe you've been in church, but you've never, you don't know if you're going to go to heaven or not. You don't have that hope of salvation. Scripture says in Romans 10, if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, you will be saved. And I would, uh, I wouldn't want anybody leaving today without that hope within their heart doesn't mean you have it all figured out. It doesn't mean you have all the questions answered. But you know that you have the hope of salvation and you have Christ in your heart. So I'm going to lead us in a prayer. Would you just join with me this morning saying, Dear God, forgive me of my sins. Cleanse me of unrighteousness. Come into my heart. Be my Lord and my Savior. I ask in the name of Jesus. And Lord, this morning, Lord, stretch us. It is God's will for each of us to rejoice always, to pray continually, and to give thanks in all circumstances. But Lord, in our humanness, that is a stretch for us, Lord God. And so God, shape and mold us, Lord God. It is your will that we move into these these. Uh, lifestyle, Lord God, that gives you praise and glory and thanks and seeks your face. So, Lord God, make us into the people you've called us to be. None of us are there yet, Lord God. 
But Lord God, help us in that process. Help us in that process to be the people you've called us to be, to give you glory and praise. In the name of Jesus. With every good man, there's always a, a woman beside him. And, uh, you know, Victor and Yolanda, Yolanda, you, you guys have done this as a team. You've done this as a team. And, um, there's Sundays that Victor couldn't make it. You were preaching, and uh, you have your own gift. Would you close us in prayer today and just do the best you can? If you just need to go Spanish, I'm okay with that. So, okay? Yeah, you do your best. Okay, thank you. Father God, we give you thank you for this special day, for the light you give to us, for everybody in this church. I pray for blessing every child, every woman, every man, every younger people here. Pray for the pastors, Pastor Brem, Pastor Amy. We pray for Pastor Luis and Jamila. We pray for this church. It's your church, Father God. Thank you. Padre, oramos en el nombre de Jesús por esta iglesia. La diabla española y la diabla inglesa. Que tu Espíritu Santo continúe guiando esta iglesia, Señor. Que tu Espíritu Santo continúe derramándose en los niños, en los jóvenes, en los hombres y mujeres en este lugar. Que cada día, Señor, las almas sean salvadas, sean liberadas, sean sanadas. Oramos por las familias de este pueblo, Señor. Oramos por esta iglesia. Pedimos por la niñez, por la juventud, Señor. Que el poder de tu Espíritu Santo venga, Señor, de una manera sobrenatural. Porque, Señor, sin ti no podemos hacer nada. Pedimos una bendición especial para cada familia pastoral en este lugar. Que tus ángeles, Señor, guardianes y guerreros sean por dentro y por fuera de este lugar, protegiendo a cada familia, a cada niño, a cada joven, a cada anciano. En el nombre de Cristo Jesús. En el nombre de Jesús, we say, Amen. You know, Yolanda. I've seen God answer prayers in their life. One happened before we even knew them. Uh, Victor had a massive heart attack. Um, probably was clinically dead. I don't know if there's a way to prove it. He said he was out of body. He was looking down. He saw himself dead on the couch. But Yolanda was praying for him. And um, God brought him back. You know, Did many years of ministry. Um, Victor had prostate cancer very well progressed um, he was in a lot of pain and uh, they prayed and he just had this vision that God just came down and just took it out that was several years ago uh, God answers prayer amen amen hey uh, just some instruction we need some tables and chairs set up so if you've been here for uh, a potluck family feast <laughs>